Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. For those who don't know me, my name is Leighton, and I serve as the lead pastor here. And I want to begin this morning with an illustration. I have a very distinct memory of two of my younger cousins playing together. And as often goes with siblings, their play turned into conflict, and their conversation elevated until finally the younger one shouted to the older sibling, you're not the boss of me. I almost started laughing when I heard that, but I managed to, to hold off in that. Now, have you ever said that to someone? Or maybe at least thought it in your mind. I, I know I've thought that several times. And the truth is, is that none of us like submitting to any kind of authority. It's part of our human wiring. In fact, if we were able to meet together today, I was going to prove this to you by conducting a little social experiment. My plan was to get the ushers to take people to seats they didn't want to sit in. You know, for example, if you like to sit on the right side, they would take you to the left side. And uh, or if you like to sit near the back, they would take you near the front. I was going to get Pastor Chet as he led worship to, to get everyone to stand and raise their hands in worship and then maybe force everyone to clap together during one song. And then before you sat down, even get you to massage a person's shoulders in front of you, which, believe it or not, has actually happened to me at a few conferences, as awkward as that sounds. And then when I got up to preach, I was going to get everyone to move toward uh, forward two rows to fill the empty seats that we always seem to have here at this Baptist church. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you think that would have gone over? <laughs> well, I know my wife, for one, would have hated it. She does not like to be told what to do. And, and I'm quite certain you would have hated it too. You see, we're wired to question and challenge authority. We naturally rebel against rules others put in place. We struggle submitting to anyone, wives to husbands, children to parents, employees to their bosses, citizens to governing authorities, students to teachers. And ultimately, uh, we struggle submitting to God and His Word. And this problem of submission is, is what Peter addresses next in his letter. Now, if you have your Bibles or device with you, you can turn it to 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to be, begin by reading at verse 11 here in just a moment. In this passage, Peter is going to call his audience of Christ followers. And remember, they are people who are being mistreated and who have been dispersed throughout the entire land to live in humility under the human authorities and institutions that God had placed over them. Now, living in humble submission to others is rarely popular. It wasn't in Peter's day, it's not in our day, nor has it ever been for anyone. In fact, that's really where the world went off the rails in the very beginning. You know, most of us hate being told what to do by anyone, by a prime minister, by a premier, by a police officer that stops us, or a teacher, or a coach, or a parent. It's just counter our human nature. However, uh, God wants us to, He exhorts us to, He encourages us to, and commands us to live in a way that honors and respects those in authority. And why? Well, first of all, it's because the world is watching us. And secondly, it's because God wants our actions to glorify Him. Now, before we read today's text, let me just quickly review where we've been for those who may be new to us or maybe missed an earlier sermon in our series. We, we began three weeks ago and I spoke about the, the hope of the gospel and suffering. And then two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Kel 
looked at uh, the call to live holy lives, not meaning that we need to be perfect, but to live as people set apart for God's purposes. And last week, uh, Pastor Kelly uh, spoke about how to know and live out our new identity in Christ as chosen people, as royal priests, as a holy nation, as God's very own possession. And now today, Peter's going to shift away from those more theological topics and move us into a, a very practical section where he's going to instruct us how to live out our holy lives and our new identity in front of others. In other words, how to live Christianly in a non-Christian world. How to live honorably and missionally in a society that can be hostile and unfair and indifferent to us. How to honor those who are in authority over us, even if we disagree with how they lead and the values they have. Now, obviously, this is a timely, relevant passage for us to study. Just this morning before recording the sermon, I read in the news of one of our local evangelical churches just being fined for $14,000 for failing to comply to our government's health regulations. And I'm seeing more and more posts calling others to disobey the health measures our governments have put in place over us. Now, thankfully, God's Word informs us of how to live in this time. Here's what it says in, in 2nd or 1st Peter chapter 2, verse 11. And it really, these first two verses are, are foundational commands to what's to come. He says this, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. Now, I find it interesting that the first thing Peter does as he moves into this new section is remind his readers that they are living in a world that is not their own. Peter, no doubt, is first and foremost addressing the, their reality of his audience and their present social status, that they are literally exiles in the land without any new rights and without a permanent residence in the Roman Empire. But he's also addressing another spiritual reality that they, and actually all believers, are really just aliens and strangers in this world because our true citizenship and our real home is in heaven with God. And because of that, this life on earth is not the one that we ultimately live for. We're just foreigners. We're just exiles, sojourners, passing through, waiting for the day we enter our true home. However, this world still matters. It matters because the world is going to have a pull on us while we're here. It's going to pull us away from the ways of God and into the passions and desires of our flesh. And we need to guard against that. And it matters because of how we live our lives on earth, because it's going to be a reflection of our Heavenly Father and it's going to communicate to the watching world the true nature of our God. And even though the world might not always like us or always understand us or embrace our Christian values, and even though they may mistreat us or accuse us or even dismiss us at times, you know, how we live our lives really matters. Our actions and good deeds declare who we are and they ultimately help point the world to our good God. And by the way, the things that Christians in Peter's day were being unfairly accused of were things like being an enemy of the state and of Caesar, of hurting businesses because of their refusal to buy idols, they are viewed as strange for taking the Lord's Supper and celebrating the death of Jesus. Not because of any civil disobedience because their rights were being violated. 
Now, these first two verses in this section really lay a foundation for what is to come in the next two chapters. Peter's urging his audience to live honorably among unbelievers, wherever they are and whatever circumstances they find themselves in. He wants them to live holy lives in the midst of all the secular values and chaos around them, knowing that their actions and attitudes are going to influence and impact a watching world and bring glory to God. And Peter doesn't stop with the theoretical, he gets super practical. He, he applies this principle of living, living honorably uh, in some of the less than ideal relationships this audience is experiencing. Like, for example, their relationship to a corrupt and cruel government, or the abusive servant-master relationships that many found themselves in, or their mismatched marriages, or even their relationships within the family of God. Today we're going to look at, at the first two of these, and then we'll look at the rest in other weeks. So let's look at verse 13. This is what it says. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Now, the truth in action in this section is our relationship with human institutions, or we would say our gut, the government. And a few questions arise for me when I read these verses. You know, for example, what does Peter mean when he says, submit yourselves to or, or be subject to? Well, uh, the word submit is a compound verb from the Greek words hypo, meaning under, and tasso, meaning to order or place or appoint. In other words, it means to order oneself under or according to a given relationship. And in this, in this case, it's to live according to the governmental order that is over top of us. And that, that leads me to a second question that I had as I read this passage. When Peter says, every human authority, does he really mean that or, or are there exceptions? You know, for example, what if I don't like the human authority over me? What if I don't agree with, with the human authorities over me and what they're telling me to do? What if the human institutions are making policies that go against my values and beliefs? You know, what if the human institutions are, are corrupt or unfair or unjust? You know, then can we ignore them? Well, well these are actually valid questions, but, but the, the question I, I keep on asking myself is, from this passage, do we ever have the right or even the responsibility to ignore or disobey those in authority over us? Do we have the right to pick and choose who we listen to and respond to and submit to and subject ourselves to? Is the, government, uh, is the government or any other human institution really the boss of us? Or should we stand up and say, like my little cousin said to their sibling, you're not the boss of me? Well, that appears what's happening today in our society. It appears what some people are doing and some businesses and some churches are doing, isn't it? You know, they're organizing freedom rallies. They're calling for civil disobedience. They're outright challenging those in authority and the rules they have put in place. And sadly, and I really mean this, and sadly it's often Christians who are leading the challenge against these things. 
You know, you've, you've seen the news yourself. There's a, there's a well-known church in Ontario that's hit the news, another church in Manitoba that's hit the news. We have another church in Alberta that's hit the news. And most recently, as I said, a uh, church in our fair city made the news for refusing to comply to government health regulations. Now, <laughs> I realize I may be stepping where angels fear to tread, but as I read Peter's words in this passage, I'm struggling to understand and agree with the theology of these churches. Now, I understand the health measures are frustrating. I understand they are unfair and inconsistent and often arbitrary. I get it that our rights feel like they're being violated. You know, I've heard the arguments about obeying God rather than men. But God's word is pretty clear in this passage that we are supposed to submit to those in authority over us. And this is the way of God. You know, another passage that's connected to this one is in Romans chapter 13. I just want to read it to you, first few verses. It says this, that everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of those authorities? Well, do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So, you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to have a clear conscience. Now, uh, are there times we must obey God and not man? Well, certainly. But in general, according to the passage in 1 Peter and according to the passage in Romans, uh, we are to submit to governing authorities and institutions because they are appointed by God. Now, listen, I know that we live in a society that, that says rise up and rebel, but, but this is the way of the world, not the ways of God. Our response to those in authority is, is not meant to be conditional as to whether we like it or not or agree with it or think it's fair. We don't have the right to pick or choose who we listen to or respond to or submit to or subject ourselves to. You know, can you imagine, for example, if Conor McDavid or, or any other hockey player, even your child, refused to go to the penalty box when they got a penalty because they didn't like the call or they thought it was unfair? You know, imagine if every player in every league picked and chose what rules they were to follow. It would destroy professional sport. You know, Peter tells his audience of scattered, scared, and persecuted believers to submit to the human institutions over them. To the Emperor Supreme is what it says, and, and we know from history that was likely Nero, this notorious cruel tyrant, the man who was known to torture and kill followers. You know, we are to su subject ourselves to every human authority because God appointed them, even guys like Nero. And then secondly, it adds that we're, we're to subject to every human authority for the Lord's sake. You know, not because we agree with them, not because we want to submit to them or, or, or think the same as them. In fact, Peter goes on in verse 15 and says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good or by doing what is right, you will silence the minds of those ignorant people. You see, God is calling us to be 
in all the relationships of our lives to, to be humble and tender-hearted. And this is God's will for us. And when we submit to God's will and obey Him, He uses our lives as a testimony and a witness to the world around us. You know, God truly is honored when we accept and respect those in authority over us. And we do this for the Lord's sake so that He is glorified by our orderly submission and so that our actions point people to Christ. So here's a question that's probably worth us asking. And that question is this, you know, are my actions, as you look over your life, are my actions honoring to the governing leaders? Peter goes on to say, live as people who are free. Now, what does Peter mean by that? What does it mean for us to be free? You know, who's free? Um, who's a slave, as we're going to look at in a second? You know, can I be free and live in, in, in free in subjection to the government? Can I be free and live in freedom as a slave? Can I abuse my freedom? You know, here Peter was outlining a paradox of the Christian life. The Christians are free, and yet we're servants. We are, are free, we live as free people, but our freedom is to glorify God. Christian freedom does not mean anything goes. Believers are not free to do whatever they want or to use their freedom as a cover-up for evil, as the Scripture says. We are not to hide behind our freedom in Christ in order that we can sin. We cannot use our freedom and, for and forgiveness as a cloaking device uh, for self-indulgence or sexual gratification or materialism or whatever else we're pursuing. You know, that's not what freedom's about. And so, so here's a second question that's worth asking today. It's, do I leverage my freedom in Christ to serve others better and to love others more? Or do I use my freedom for my own selfish motives and ambitions and thoughts? We are to live as servants of God. That's what the passage says. Honoring everyone showing others the proper respect, valuing and esteeming others because of their innate and immeasurable value in God's eyes, loving the family of faith, fearing God, and honoring the emperor. Now, before I move into the second truth, in the truth in action, let me just give you some really practical ways. As citizens of heaven, we can live as citizens on this earth, even if, if there seems to be conflict and tension at times. Because um, my understanding of the scriptures, you don't have to agree with human institutions and authorities over you to be in submission to them. So we can do this by, first of all, just choosing to practice humility and choosing to live in submission rather than in rebellion. That goes against our nature. We, we can do this by, by taking a moment to thank God for all the good that is done through those in authority over us. We can, instead of being critical of leadership, we can get on our knees and pray for leadership. That's harder to do sometimes. It's easy to be critical. We can live our lives in a way that shows that we're good citizens. We can pay our taxes, which are due in a couple of days. We can, we can obey the law. We can respect those in authority, even if we disagree with their policies. We can seek the welfare of, of our city and, and serve our city and country for the common good. And 
we can engage in the political process. But when we do, we do so with respect and with the common good in mind. And if you happen to be listening today and you're in a position of leadership, especially civil leadership, can I encourage you to set an example and lead with the biblical values that you have, conscientiously, but but lovingly and carefully and wisely, bringing your convictions into the public arena to discuss. Because the ways of God are always the best. And then for all of us, we need to be able to simply rest in the providence of God that we can, we can recognize that He's sovereign and that He's still in control, even when things are happening around us that we don't like. You see, no, no matter what our circumstances, our testimonies should still seem or feel or, or, or state our God reigns. Okay, now let's look at the second truth in action, which is the relationship between a servant and his master, and it's found in verses 18 to 21. In our contemporary context, we might say this is between an employer and, and their boss. Here's what it says in verse 18. Uh, Slaves, in a reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it To your credit, if you receive a beating for doing what is wrong and endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. (laughs) This is is a challenging passage. It's challenging because of what it's calling us to do. It's challenging because of the context of which it is written, that is, of slavery and an abuse of power. The main idea in this text is that our identity, our new identity in Christ, calls us to trust and revere God even when we are being mistreated. And, and sadly, we do know about this in life. We know that there are injustices and we know that there are people that, that abuse their power and take advantage of others. And unfortunately, this is way more common than it should be, even today. And without doubt, some of you listening today will be able to deeply relate to the verses that we just read because you have personally experienced injustices or you've been abused and mistreated in your life. And if that's you, let me just say that that we grieve with you today. This is never the way of God. It's never the way of God in Scripture. His heart is always for the hurting. It's drawn to the brokenhearted and to the marginalized. Our God is a good God and He loves justice and He hates injustice. But because we live in a broken world, these evils are going to happen. And it's in this context that Peter, guided by the Spirit, wrote these words. And they are given to help us through whatever injustice or mistreatments we face, even if we're struggling to find a way out of those things. They instruct us how to live and how to endure in bad situations. Now, Peter knows that some of his audience are slaves and he wants to encourage them that even though their situation is challenging, they still have the choice to live as followers of Christ because of the truth of who they are in Christ. And this new identity calls them to live their lives as to the Lord and to trust and revere God even if they endure mistreatment. 
You know, like the previous example, Peter anticipates the objections that they might have. You know, what if, what if my master is harsh and wicked? Am I obligated to obey him? Or am I released from my Christian responsibility? Now, certainly in, in these kinds of extreme circumstances, the rules go out of the window, right? Like, we don't have to obey someone who, who's abusive to us. But strangely, this is not what Peter instructs. He says this, no, even to the unjust, we live, in, we live in the fear of the Lord. And that sets the context for the next few verses. You see, even in the face of mistreatment, we are in reverent fear of God to submit to those who are harsh. Well, why? Well, well verse 19 talks about this, for it's commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. Again, this passage is not about justice and it's not about fairness and it's not about restoration or redemption. It's about how we endure when things are unfair and unjust and painful. And the way we do that is we, we think of God and the unjust suffering God the Son faced in his life. You know, verse 20 continues, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. And why is that? Well, because uh, it says in verse 21, to this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. You see, I can, I can live through my unfair, unbearable suffering, not because it's acceptable, or not because I deserve it, or not because it's God's way or, or just. I can live through my suffering because it points me to Jesus and it reminds me of all he endured for me. You see, whenever we suffer for doing good, our pain connects us to the pain Jesus endured for us. And in those moments, we can remind ourselves that because Jesus experienced great pain, he knows and understands the pain that I feel too. And in fact, Jesus' life and the unjust suffering he endured is the example we're to follow when we find ourselves in that same place. And so that brings me to my to the last section, and that's simply that we need to uh, live our lives and follow the example of Jesus Christ. Verses 22 to, to 25, it says that, that he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insights, insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He bore him... He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you and I have been healed. For you and I were like sheep going astray, but now we have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. Why have believers uh, been called to unjust suffering? Well, it's because such suffering was endured by Christ. Jesus told Peter and the other disciples at the Last Supper that no servant is greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you also. It's found in John chapter 15. And when we patiently suffer injustice, 
we are following the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He suffered great injustice in order to obtain our salvation. He endured the unbelief of his own people. He endured a trial by religious leaders who, who already committed his life to death. He, he endured the lies of false witnesses. He endured beating and mockery from the people and from the Roman soldiers. He endured merciless floggings. He endured an excruciating, painful death by crucifixion. He endured the insults of bystanders as he suffered in the cross for you and I. And he endured a time of separation from God. You know, it's this example of Jesus that we follow today. And it's this example of Jesus that we actually celebrate today. And so, if you can, you should run and get your communion uh, elements because we would like to celebrate that right now. And let me just make a few comments about this. I was just thinking about this passage and about what I was talking about. And just imagine if the example of Jesus was different. Just imagine if he chose to exercise his rights. He chose to, to call out on justice and to stop this imbalance of power. And he chose, instead of uh, submission and obedience, he chose to rebel against those things. Well, you know what would happen? You and I would not have the salvation that we have right now. We would not be able to celebrate the great sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross because he endured the things that he's asking us to endure right now. And so, no matter where you find yourself today, uh, be encouraged by the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you find yourself suffering for doing good, then just realize that you're in good company because that's exactly what happened to Jesus. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.